The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Good Thursday. Danny joining me in studio for our first segment here to talk about Philly and Boston. Got a lot more coming up after that. Got some news to get to and finishing up our awards, the games of the month of December, dunks of the year so far as well to talk about. But let's hit on this 109-98 Sixers victory. Boston seized control early in the second quarter, but then Philly inexorably came back. Boston only 43 points in the second half. I think that's probably where I would start here is that Philly's defense against what's been a pretty good offense looked really good despite Joel Embiid for one of the first times this year or, or despite Joel Embiid being out uh, for one of the first times this year. Yeah, and Embiid, that, that was news that came out since we recorded the earlier part of the show. He is going to miss, pro- I, I would say, a couple weeks with this. Uh, he had surgery to fix a ligament issue with that left hand related to the injury that was gross on national television about a week ago. And yeah, the the Sixers defense looked good. And, and you brought this up during the cast, and I thought this was a really good point that the trio of Gordon Hayward, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown, it, it felt intuitively like they would have much more of an advantage without that regular intimidator at the rim of Joel Embiid, and they didn't. None of those three had particularly good games. Tatum, 4 of 13 from the field, missed all but one of his threes. He did have six of the Celtics, only eight free throws. I want to get to that later. But Jalen Brown, 2 of 12. Gordon Hayward, 4 of 11. And it's not like they were bricking a ton of open shots. These were, were good contests. They weren't getting great looks yeah generally one of those three guys if not more than one are going to have a size advantage at their position that they can attack and i thought hayward just was rushing his threes just a little bit some of his mid-rangers wasn't quite able to get those i mean they're capable of making these shots you know but they they did not get many easy looks jalen brown did not hit a two-pointer he was 0 of 8 from two-point range and some of the layups that he's really been making more of this year were bounding off the rim with good help from the likes of Norville Pell who had a really nice game he played over Kyle O'Quinn he's been a little more in the rotation their two-way guy uh, who only has now I think four days four or five days left yeah yeah and another critical element to me was that Al Horford who we'd seen him in a few games kind of getting traffic coned a little bit defensively I thought he was really good in this game especially once they adjusted their pick and roll coverage to put him a little further out on the floor against Kemba Walker yeah that was the the early dynamic was that the Sixers were having Horford drop back a little bit more like like Embiid at moments and Kemba Walker can he doesn't feel the rear view contest and he has so much confidence in the the pull in the step up jumper or the pull the um pull up jumper that he was getting good looks he was on fire early on I think it was four or five from three in the first quarter and then once that evaporated really the only thing that was working for the Celtics offensively other than a 
little bit in transition was Marcus Smart going 5 of 7 from 3 and 9 of 14 from the field. Yeah, he was banging some off-the-dribble threes, especially late. Kept it close maybe longer even than it deserved to be in that fourth quarter. And so that does change a lot for them. If he can come in, run the second unit, and hit those, he got more pick-and-roll opportunities than he's been getting in part because Brad Stevens changed up his rotation. Semi Ojale got 21 minutes in this, I think in part because of the Sixers not really having a small player. I don't know if this is a permanent change, but Ojale really it seemed like he replaced most of Brad Wanamaker's minutes, uh, or uh, and Wanamaker didn't play at all due to perhaps the size issues. So um, I thought that for the Sixers, Josh Richardson also looked really good. 10 out of 10 from the foul. I mean, that's that's probably pretty close to a career high for him in free throws, I would bet. Uh, and he had 29 points, 9 of 16 from the field. Ben Simmons, 39 minutes. I thought he did a really nice job of using his size around the rim. Didn't get to the foul line a lot, but that hook shot that he likes to go to in the lane was working. I thought he did a great job of utilizing the extra space created by the absence of Embiid. You, they used him as a screener a lot and when the Celtics were switching he has such great speed he's able to slip that pick and get into the lane behind the guy who's trying to switch onto him and they found him pretty nicely some passes Thibel had some Horford had some so they the Sixers offense looked pretty good uh 115 offensive rating they did shoot it at 41 percent from three that always helps them a ton as well yeah and remember they they put up that 115 without really a dominant performance from Tobias Harris he was there but I didn't he had a couple nice moments but I didn't see him affecting the action as much as I thought and one of the big picture things that I was looking for in this game was well what does the Sixers offense look like without Joel Embiid on the floor there was a little bit more of Horford at moments he had some nice plays on Daniel Tice his former teammate the Simmons stuff was the most compelling I thought that as you said Simmons looked good and, and yeah those right righty kind of like turnaround shots aren't going to go in as much as they did but then also there were two key moments in this game where the Sixers offense was basically buoyed and maybe even just entirely held up by Josh Richardson pull up jump shots. He had a big stretch in the first quarter when the Celtics were making everything. There was that stretch. I think both teams had like 12 points in the first couple minutes. And then there was a point in the second half where Richardson, I think it was the beginning of the fourth quarter, where he hit three or four jumpers in a row and that helped keep the Sixers afloat. Yeah, also at seven assists, this is about as good as he's looked in a Philly uniform offensively. And they tried to go to him a lot because I think they really wanted to utilize his size advantage against Walker and to wear Walker out a little bit. And I don't know whether it had a huge effect whether the that left thumb injury that he suffered at the end of the first half on a screen he's had a rough go of it on uh, some of these screens lately and so uh but walker did not have obviously the same quality of second half as he did in the first right and boston overall kind of big picture talked about the struggles of those of the three um wing guys that they play in the rotation but boston overall 13 of 29 in the restricted area and they weren't getting to the free throw line they did end up getting eight offensive rebounds but that's compared to 13 for the 76ers and so boston they they had stretches especially in the first quarter where they were getting good shots and they had another one when they had that run where they were getting a bunch of open corner threes but by and large through the like kind of the meat of this game they weren't getting as good of shots as I hoped with Joel Embiid out and one thing to remember here we saw this with those other guys is that even though the Sixers were playing smaller than they normally do they're still big I mean even Horford at center like yeah he's been playing power forward this year he played center for the Celtics a whole hell of a lot the last couple years 
Yeah, and Horford, I thought he dominated Tice physically. Tice was probably thanking his lucky stars because no Joel Embiid, who really kills him, but then Horford even was going through his body for buckets late in the game. And you might say, well, wait a minute, like Cantor's plus 11, 17 minutes. How could Brad Stevens not have played him more? Well, pretty much every minute Cantor was out there was when Philly didn't have Al Horford out there. I think Horford played 32 minutes, Cantor played 17, pretty much a perfect match there and Cantor I think the feeling is he can't guard Mike Scott or Horford those are the two guys who started in the front court for Philly and just because those guys are shooting centers maybe you could think of trying him on Ben Simmons I mean I might have just tried that just because it's the regular season and Cantor was playing relatively well but it was really the only lineups where Boston was able to make some hay was when Philly went without a center at all and that was only three minutes and they got smoked at the end of the first quarter with that and then Pell came in he restored order pretty well yeah and I thought Pell did a nice job of contesting shots he did commit one foul where he didn't trust the size but generally he was getting the Celtics players out of their rhythm sometimes that was blocking Canner but also I think he had a nice play on Jason Tatum and had one on Jalen Brown as well and just having a big presence there and that's why I I always think big men should jump a lot less than they do is because it makes players think about the shots that they're taking and uh, one other kind of thing that I want to mention is I thought that while Matisse Thibel didn't necessarily have the greatest box score line he missed all four of his shots he had a couple nice passes but also his aggressiveness fighting through screens was really useful at some key moments in the game it allowed Kemba Walker didn't necessarily get into rhythm and then there were times when he was on Jalen Brown and Jalen Brown was very cognizant as well so Philly moving to three and oh now against the Boston Celtics this season and I really felt like they looked like the much better team throughout I mean no Embiid yeah they're at home Boston if they have home court in a matchup that might help a little bit but I think Philly has looked very comfortable against Boston Boston has had a couple of really bad offensive games including that opening night game as well now so that that's a concern if you're Boston and obviously your dream scenario at the Celtics is get that two seed Bontemps had a piece about the today of who's going to actually be that two seed I think it's going to be come down to Boston or Miami uh, so get that two seed get Orlando in the first round or Brooklyn and then hope that the Sixers are either the four or the five they play the Bucks in the second round and you only have to face one of those teams I, I think that would be a path uh, uh, ideal for Boston uh, to deal with and one other thing that relates to seeding is how the Joel Embiid injury affects the Sixers potential wins and losses over the course of the season they do have a, a tough road only a two-game trip against Dallas and Indiana those games would have been tough with Embiid they're a lot tougher without him but then Brooklyn Chicago Knicks Nets that stretch if they can make it through that and then they have then they have a tough stretch with the Raptors and the Lakers on consecutive games not consecutive days but if they can make it through that stretch relatively clean then I don't think there'll be a big impact but I mean as we've already kind of we're already getting the sense of the top of the east is going to be very very close and the difference between the two seed and particularly the two seed and the four five is dramatic big time I Man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 2015. And I think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners. If you've never heard it before, that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom. And there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one-size-fits-all. They found the one formula, the one mattress that was going to work for everyone. My then-girlfriend, now-wife... And I ordered that mattress 
we ended up having to return it because hey guess what not everyone is the same and then she did some more research and found helix sleep we took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types and uh, helix offers 20 unique matches everybody sleeps differently and helix matches are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences hot or cold side sleeper back sleeper so take that helix sleep quiz find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door free of charge it's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home you're like well how should i order this if i can't sleep like yeah you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do i take my shoes off do i leave my shoes on but then my feet kind of hang off the bed because i don't want to put my shoes on the bed and is it weird that i'm laying here for more than 30 seconds you can't tell anything under those circumstances you might as well just order it get it sent to your house get that 100 night trial they're 10 to 15 year warranty depending on the model and there's never been a better time to try a helix sleep mattress because they are offering 20 percent off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace easy room slash capspace we talk about all the time here on the program that's helixsleep.com slash capspace this is their best offer yet i can attest to that since i've been working with them for nine years and it won't last long with helix better sleep starts now don't forget that slash capspace url to let them know that you came from us Man, I just love American Giant. Just an amazing clothing company. I was reminded again of how much I love it when I drove from California to Montana over the All-Star break. And you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold, particularly when it starts off warm in the Bay and then we get into some really cold areas. You're like, well, I don't want to wear like my jacket in the car, but then I get out to fill gas. I'm going to be freezing. But the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm it's not too hot as well so i was able to wear it in the car not be too hot step out of the car and still be warm enough when i was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that i didn't feel like i needed my jacket even when it was cold outside and things are amazingly durable i proposed to my wife wearing an american giant hoodie in the grand canyon almost seven years ago i still own that same hoodie i still wear it constantly and american giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout you remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us fun game here between the celtics and sixers actually we're recording this during the day so i don't actually know that uh, but what we need to talk about here danny well i mean you and i had we had a, a a big dinner late last night after the game i don't know about you but i was just i was a little slow a little lethargic this morning i i don't know the right word to describe what i was feeling like do you have a good word for that <laughs> Oh man, are these jokes? These jokes are probably played out, right? I I, I think I used one on the Hammer Shows podcast that I recorded today with him, and but that's not even coming out until Friday, so it's all going to seem so dated now. It's a, it's a problem when the news comes out. Well, well, well you know, you know what else feels dated? Apparently, being a 66 year old who has never coached in the NBA before and has to not have your own fiefdom. <laughs> so. 
Yeah, I talked about this a lot on Tom's podcast, uh, which I recorded about an hour ago. So we don't need to get into this too much. We're a little late on this now, the Beeline news. But if you haven't heard it, Beeline told his players that they're playing like a bunch of thugs at the end of a film session on Wednesday night. That obviously has some very negative racial connotations. He His story is he didn't realize that he had said thugs until his staff told it to him he claimed that he believed he had said slugs and that's uh what the story was with Woj when it got published this is one where it seemed like it was probably fed to Woj at least in some respect maybe he came to them initially after hearing about it but a lot of times you'll see when newsbreakers just tweet it out that's because they want to get the news out there and get credit for the news breaking this one the first we heard of it was with an article attached so that means that Woj was told about it pretty well in advance had it a chance to write it had a good reason to believe that he had the exclusive and could just wait to actually write the story instead of having to tweet it out and so beeline then today was asked what he learned and he said enunciate better so it seems like the story was i thought i was said slugs and i actually said thugs now it was i didn't enunciate well enough those aren't necessarily quite the exact same things but it appears that this is, is going to blow over Woj reported thursday morning that they intend to continue with him as coach after an emotional apology and he's going to coach the Cavs tonight in detroit and the franchise plans to continue with him on the job larry nance spoke for the team today at shoot around and said essentially that they're okay with it that he apologized kevin loves that he's a, a good man so it seems like for the time being this is going to get swept under the rug. Yeah, and it, it is a reminder of the adjustments that individuals and coaches have to make. And, and the other challenge of this is maybe Beeline would rather, I, I don't know. I mean, this is a, a tough job in Cleveland. Lots of young players that don't necessarily fit together. I, I'm guessing there's probably a part of him that would rather just not be doing this anymore. However, at this juncture, even if he wanted to leave, I don't think he could right now because then being the slugs, thugs coach and being fired, resigning, whatever it would be, quickly like that's your like like that's a big part of your legacy but if he coaches another couple years remember he's on a five-year contract so he has another couple years there so that that's kind of how i expect this to go and it'll how much of the long-term ramifications really should there be any ill will there are are complicated because you have a coach on a five-year contract i mean a lot of these young players will still be under team control if they're still there however beeline is 66 years old so how they how the Cavs approach this will be challenging i guess yeah it's but i think even for their pr standpoint too it's easier to just wait until the off season if you are going to move on from him see whether they show progress we'll see whether kevin love is even on the team or not um a couple other notes here i talked to a player last night and his thought was well the, the slip of the tongue actually reveals how you actually think and the other thing that was mentioned was they better hope that lebron james doesn't weigh in on this and say something like oh we shouldn't have that in our league you know the way he did in like the sterling situation because he's a guy who has a lot of influence among players and the good news for the Cavs is they're not really a serious free agent destination anytime soon they're going to be going with young players players who don't really have a lot of power in the league so this may not matter and maybe he'll just get another couple of years and fail as a coach and they'll fire him just like anyone else and this will end up as a footnote but I, I would be interested I haven't seen any other players get asked about this incident yet 
um and then the last thing too Woj did an updated story today i was surprised that he went as far as to say characterize beeline as having been slow to adjust to the nba usually he won't take that much of an opinion on say how a coach is coaching and it seems clear that the Cavs complained to him about that because the follow-up story then said Beeline's first pro season at 66 years old has been partly defined by his struggle to connect with players and adjust to a dramatically different NBA environment than what he had experienced in 40 plus college seasons so just just a little interesting you never know with this stuff but it's thinking of behind the scenes how this worked how this got leaked and set up it is always interesting to just follow the PR machinations here. A couple other pieces of Cavs news before we move on. Kevin Porter Jr., the, it looks like this will be a four to six week injury that is still significantly better as a left knee sprain than what you and I feared it would be when the injury occurred. And then Cook and McKinney, the two players that Kobe Altman waved yeah, right t- around. Tyler, Tyler, Tyler Cook, Cook, by the way, yeah. in case gets, uh, you're not familiar with him, which uh, I can't say that I particularly was. Yeah, so Tyler Cook is the player who Cleveland converted off a 10 day and then almost immediately waved. Convert off a two-way, you mean? Yeah. That, oh, sorry. That's why. Yeah, two-way. And then they converted him, and then they cut him, cleared waivers, and it looks like he and McKinney are both going to sign 10 days. So it looks like this was more what we thought it was, where it was just machinations to kind of structure things moving forward. Yeah, see, look at that verbal slip. You really should sympathize with Beeline, honestly. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, let's yeah, let's that- move on. Like, it, in a normal circumstance, I think the, the biggest news of this might be that we actually have a projected return date for Victor Oladipo. Um, and it's also unusual because that per- that expected return date is not soon. It's January 29th, about three weeks away against, or no, that's a little over two weeks away. Sorry, I can do math. Um, against the Chicago Bulls. And that's a really good piece of information for the Pacers. I'm sure they would have loved for him to have come back early in the season, but they've also held down the fort exceedingly well. And we don't know what Oladipo we're going to see, but at least having some sort of timeline is a good thing yeah it is odd that they would be this far i mean it is as we record this 20 days from now it's the ninth right now as we're recording this so it it is kind of weird to see i mean that to me would imply that if they really wanted to rush it he would have been out there already and so they're really kind of taking their time to an extreme amount but again with them there's not a huge rush for him to get back since they've i mean they've struggled lately but a lot of that's because brogdon's been out too um nate mcmillan saying that he's hopeful that brogdon with that back issue issue where he also had hamstring issues that that uh posterior chain seems to be a problem for him right now uh but he'll be able to return for friday's game in chicago as opposed to the january 29th game against chicago anthony davis suffered a scary fall on tuesday in their blowout win but he got an mri lower back injury is just a bruise and so he's actually going to travel with the team it's a glute contusion um and jeff stott's noting that it's usually a game or two for that sort of an issue unless you're danilo gallinari and we still as of this recording don't know the the status of carl anthony towns for their thursday's game he's been listed as questionable for like 11 straight games and not played in them so hopefully he returns at some point hopefully he returns on thursday but we'll keep an eye on that this is the first time he's been noted as a game time decision Correct. Well, i haven't heard anything about whether he practiced or not drew holiday will not play or did not play i should say on wednesday with their blowout win over the bulls at home 
bruised left elbow this is he has missed two straight now said he's still dealing with swelling doesn't know when he'll be able to return so you would imagine it could be a, another couple of games for him the next play on friday the game that is following our nba cast game is oklahoma city russell westbrook's return there but danilo Gallinari not playing in that one due to that right calf contusion now it'll be the second game that he has missed at least it's not a calf strain the, the contusion sounds a little bit better but gallo never a particularly quick healer there and nerland's noel also getting ruled out in advance well in advance of this game a third straight game he's missed with an ankle issue so it doesn't appear that he is close either in orlando uh josh robbins of the athletic is reporting that jonathan isaac his knee injury will be treated non-operatively that means no surgery we don't know yet if that, that how that affects or if it affects the timetable but still good news that it doesn't require surgery and then the other interesting piece of news out of brooklyn Kyrie irving has recently been able to take contact and go through some five-on-five work and he will be reevaluated next week. So the concerns that he might be out for the entire season, I think those are reduced. I, I'm not going to say they're eliminated until he's actually back playing in NBA games, but this is the first positive piece of news we've had in a while. Yeah, it's interesting. Brian Windor has talked about this a lot on his podcast Monday that Kyrie is extremely conservative with his injury management and he had this cortisone shot it sounds like the first one he also supposedly doesn't like taking anti-inflammatories which hey you know let's see what happened to alonzo morning for instance i understand that and and windhorse noted that Kyrie has tried to play through stuff before and then he suffered that knee injury in the 2015 finals and then had a complications from that with the infection in 2018 after the hardware was causing him some irritation had to have a couple more surgeries so but what that gets down to is maybe he hadn't had this cortisone shot until just now and maybe this actually is helping and he will be able to get on the floor now perhaps he plays he goes through contact it doesn't respond the way they want it to but there's it seems like it's not like okay he had five of these cortisone shots and the last one is is now working it seems more like he finally had one and it seems like maybe it's having a positive effect so perhaps there's more reason for optimism uh with them being able to get through the season we'll see whether it's surgery at the end of the season though i mean that's the, another potential issue and you know for this nets team wouldn't necessarily be the end of the world to me if he it does eventually need surgery to just have it now as opposed to have it in the offseason like keep the wear and tear off his body maybe although there's the teams coming up beyond them aren't exactly uh have a wind at their back but remember their pick to atlanta is owed but lottery protected so you could maybe even end up keeping that if things continue they, they lost another nail biter against okc the other night so if he in fact there's a feeling like okay he's gutting through it and then he's going to need surgery after the season maybe i would still just shut him down anyway um so the incentives yeah. if surgery is eventually needed the incentives just aren't strong to push him especially considering the expectations for every subsequent net season with Kyrie Irving are higher than this year and they're not going to get above the seven seed which means you're basically cannon fodder unless Durant is coming back too so I, I agree with you if if that is a part of the diagnosis then they should be exceedingly cautious the Boston Celtics um a potential team that the Nets could play in the playoffs um if it's a 7-2 um Robert Williams is at least three weeks away it kind of looked like he was getting closer from the reporting that was out there uh Perp Tim Bontemps the Celtics are being very cautious with Williams uh and 
that's probably the right decision, especially because they're humming along. I mean, they have had they had that weird loss to the Wizards, but I mean, the Celtics are still in a, in a good spot. So might as well make sure that he's right for the important games to come. Marvin Williams didn't play Wednesday against the Raptors. Miles Bridges had a, hit a bunch of threes, had 26 points in that game. But Williams, I think he's got this broken nose. He played a little bit, then he's going to miss more time. I think he had to have a procedure on it. For Charlotte, I, mean, I guess they're still like sort of deluding themselves that they're in the playoff race, so they'll probably bring him back. I was going to say maybe they should just shut him down until the trade deadline, but uh, it's also not the type of thing where you're going to suffer permanent damage, at least to your ability to play. Um, Nate, Nate th- trying yeah. to become an enemy of the Hornets over. I, I see how it is. <laughs> hey, I have that over too. Kristaps uh, Porzingis, this now will be four and five games that he has missed with Friday and Saturday. His sore right knee, remember that's the opposite knee to the one that he injured. This could just be caution. I thought they really, really missed him in their loss against Denver last night where number one, Jokic went crazy on them. Number two, he was able to space the floor against their bigs really well. And even though Doncic had a terrible game denver was Ill, or uh, dallas was able to beat denver on the road that was sort of the oh wow these guys might be pretty good moment of the season for them so let's watch this i mean is this going to be the type of thing where he's going to be out for a significant amount of time it's not good he was, said he was hopeful to play it on wednesday and apparently he continues not to respond they're going to play it very conservatively with him but they do need him i think if they're going to really be trying to get the three seed they're going to need him to come back sooner rather than later and he, he was showing some signs i thought he made some pretty athletic plays um yeah and they also yeah. I, I mean it wasn't big i mean they would have helped but the, their loss against the denver nuggets um in a game that paul Millsap did not appear in he had a bruised left knee it's been bothering him for a while so again another team that even though they have a lot of stakes right now because every game counts in terms of seating and everything else like that it's still good to make sure that the players are right physically for both the stretch run and ideally the playoffs yeah, Luke Kennard was, we've seen this a number of times from the Pistons where guys are supposed to be reevaluated as of a certain date and they just didn't give an update. That was, he was supposed to get an update on January 7th. So one would think that, that means he's not very close to returning from that bilateral knee soreness and patellar tendonitis. And with the Pistons kind of going downhill this year, Blake Griffin now out for the season, no reason to rush him back. And same thing for the Golden State Warriors with D'Angelo Russell. He did practice Tuesday. He was going through workouts before the game, looked okay, but did not play against Milwaukee last night. That's now three straight missed with a shoulder issue. But uh, they're hopeful that he can... Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor 
for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns you can customize. Things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets. And you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use the CAPSPACE. We talk about all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. Return. All right, you want to do uh, some of our categories here that we didn't get a chance to do on the awards? Yeah, let's do it. Where do you want to start? So let's start with best win of the last month or so. This would have been in December. Yeah, I, I did all mine on New Year's on New Year's Day or, or thereabouts. So I didn't I didn't update anything with what's happened since to set up next month's awards. Yeah, um, I, I thought there was only one. It's the Sixers crushing the Bucks on Christmas Day. Now, yeah, they haven't exactly used that to vault into having a bunch of momentum but i mean that was just that was a win that yes i know there's a lot of bucks fans who are like oh yeah christmas day champions 76ers like it's just one game well the problem was that that one game and yeah Giannis missed a couple afterwards yeah the Sixers were 21 of 44 from three and were went completely insane on threes in the first three quarters the competitive portion of the game bucks didn't shoot it that well yeah, I understand all that. I think the Sixers are going to really struggle to score against the Bucks. Since the Bucks are going to have home court, I would probably favor the Bucks in such a series. Although, you know, we'll see if if and when they meet uh, how those two teams have been playing as of that time. But, you know, if they played a seven-game series against each other right now, I would favor the Bucks with home court advantage. But that game made me think that Milwaukee could really struggle to score against Philly. And Embiid really showed the ability to slow down Giannis. And they've also got Horford who can do it as well. I mean, that, it seemed like this is a team that is going to cause pretty big problems for the Bucks. And then also, while the Bucks really barricade the rim, they didn't have much of an answer for Embiid defensively either. You know, he's something that, as a post-up guy, kind of causes some specific issues for their system because it's really more optimized for dealing with pick and roll and dribble handoffs and stuff like that. So I'm uh, when you look at that, yes, I would still favor the Bucks, but it also so change things to say like yes philly can absolutely play with them and they cause them problems in a, every way that you worry they might cause problems for the bucks so uh, that was a, a great dominating win and it makes me feel like philly is going to have a fighting chance against them in the playoffs despite some of their regular season issues i agree with you that was my number one pretty comfortably um the mb defense thing was was the real eye-opener because yeah philly shooting isn't going to be what it was before but it made me think about the sixers differently maybe think about a potential playoff series differently the other two that i considered were the mavericks beating the bucks on december 16th i thought i was impressed i was impressed with that one and then mavericks lakers on december 1st the earliest yeah, that was LA- without luca by the way that it was uh, and, and it stopped the bucks 17 game winning streak 18 game winning streak i think it was 17 um yeah, yeah so that that was there uh my worst loss of the month was the orlando magic led the trey youngless atlanta hawks 55 37 with 233 remaining in the first half and lost at home and it was just just terrible i I don't think it's going to impact it too much in terms of seating but it was just it was just awful i mean that that team that version of the hawks didn't really have anything going for them offensively the magic had had talented defense all that kind of stuff and it was just it was just real bad my worst loss belongs to the atlanta hawks 
after a three-pointer put the Hawks up by six with oh, God. 59 seconds remaining. Trey Young declared, he actually might have hit like a floater or something. I can't remember what the shot was to put him up six. Trey Young declared that the game was over. The Miami Heat proceeded to score 21 consecutive points, leading to the rarely seen overtime loss with garbage time at the end where teams actually subbed out their players by the end of garbage time. Pretty incredible. Uh, they give up two threes in the last minute to tie it. I mean, when you're up six in the last minute, you know, you're at probably 99% win expectancy. And then to have the run continue into OT, just a absolutely pathetic demoralizing loss even though it was it would have been a really nice win for them you know they were big time dogs in that game but uh to be up like that and give up a 21 to 0 run i mean that's incredible some of my dishonorable mentions i will echo the one that you just said uh on the same day as the magic as the magic loss that i picked from my worst loss of the month the heat lost to the wizards but to me that was a weirder game washington just hit every shot and all that there was some bad defense and all that but it wasn't as it wasn't as much an imbalance sort of like the the Orlando game was the Knicks last game of David Fisdale's tenure they lost 129-92 to the Denver Nuggets Nuggets are a better team they were the favorites there and then the Knicks beating the Nets 94-82 that that two-point record game which was just in some ways it wasn't the worst loss it was just like the most dispiriting performance I I think that that it deserved it deserved a mention as well yeah, eight two-point field goals is uh, and twelve out of fifty three-point shooting. That was also the 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 most angry I've been watching a game so far this year because it was just it was so amazingly unwatchable because not only was it bricked threes mostly but it was also a ton of free throws so it was it was terrible last night wasn't great either but that's different um so I had a very easy choice for my game of the month and that was Kings Rockets on December 9th. This was the game where Bielitsa, Bielitsa hit the crazy three at the end of it. For the last 27 minutes of the game, it was never more than a five-point difference. In the fourth, it was never more than a four-point difference. Here is your last 22 seconds of the game. Tied at 113, Russell Westbrook sets up Ben McLemore for a three. Ben McLemore revenge game against the Kings. Kings get a timeout. Try to set up a tying three for Buddy Heald. That misses. Bogdanovich rebounds, sets up another crazy three for Heald to tie it with 8.4 left then houston inbounds to russell westbrook he does a great job of attacking the room with all the defensive attention on james harden and makes a layup with one second left to put the rockets up kings get a timeout advance the ball and bielitsa hits a 33 footer after james harden failed to switch onto him i think that's what it was and pj tucker oh no i think james harden failed to switch onto a back cut so pj tucker had to help on that and that's how bielitsa ended up getting open and that was a three to end it 119 118 awesome awesome game great win for the kings it's probably not gonna end up meaning much in the grand scheme of things but that particular game was incredibly exciting yeah that one was really fun and it was to me it was better than there was a, a rockets clippers game that was close late but i I thought that that the Kings game was better but my number one and part of this is you know for for best game I think about the one that I'm gonna remember and for me that was the insane ending of Sixers heat for those who remember that was yeah, the Tyler that was Hero my sh- number two yeah the Tyler Hero shot Richardson missing the basically the best free throw miss I've ever seen missing that and getting Simmons with the putback even though Simmons got into the broke the arc early all that kind of stuff and then overtime was interesting it was, it was just just a wild game and because those two teams 
are both going to be in the playoffs. They're both going to be in the, they're, they're just massively good teams. That, that for me, it resonated a little bit more, even though I think you're right that Rockets Kings was more entertaining. Yeah, too many shitty mistakes in that game for me, whether it was the Dragic foul that set up Richardson and then the fa- the failure to box out. I mean, that was a great play by Simmons. But then if it had ended on something other than Al Horford, ticky-tack foul, which was a foul, on the wrist of Jimmy Butler in the overtime to win the game for the Heat, I probably I would have considered it, but I thought like that ending was just kind of dispiriting for me. That's why I want that Kings game instead. But yeah, it definitely was was my number two. What we got next here? Dunk of the first. We didn't have a chance to do this for the first time around, so we can do two months worth of awesome dunks. Yeah, and and there were a lot of them. Um, so for October slash November, I'm going to give an honorable mention because you can't win it for a dunk that didn't work. But John Morant's attempted dunk on Kevin on Kevin Love is one of my favorite dunk attempts that I've ever seen. And he would have just it would it just that would have been the dunk of the year if he'd been able to pull it off. But he didn't, so that's there. Uh, a couple of honorable mentions, Mark. Marquise Chris on Nicolo Melli. Melli, who also got dunked on by Donovan Mitchell in another really good dunk in, in the, that time frame. Embiid on Collins was really nice. LeBron on Bielitsa, which since it's LeBron, got on a lot yeah, of stuff. Yeah, that's the one where he came down the lane. Bielitsa tried to take the charge. Cat just hit the microphone. Sorry about that. And uh, it did not work. Uh, any, what was your number one, if you're ready for it? Derek this is Jones, still November, right? Yeah. It, it was actually in October, but it, it, oh, okay. I, I put those together. Derek, October, November, Derek yeah. Jones Jr. on Valanchunas was just nasty. I mean, a, a great dunk involving contact. I, I much prefer dunks with contact. And yeah, it was that one there. So yeah, that was my that was my favorite of October, November. Any other ones you want to mention? Uh, Giannis completely destroyed the combination of Goga Bitad and Jakar Sampson. Yeah, it was a nice one. Eric Paschal, the Warriors were losing by 50 in this game, but he did have a really nice dunk on like three Mavericks all at once. That was pretty impressive. Um, John Morant had a sweet tip dunk on the back of PJ Tucker. So th- those are the ones. So what was your, uh, your number one was that Derek Jones? I, I will go with the LeBron at BLE. So let's get the, get the throwback in there. Um, how about, uh, December? December was a, was a really, a really strong month. Um, I had four, so, so I had four that were genuine, like, wow. I, I, so I watched 30 minutes of highlights, watched actually not only the NBA one, but watched another one. Um, so I'll go through them four to one. Jamal Murray's alley-oop to himself. That's my current non-contact dunk of the year. Cause yeah, the, the, the one off the backboard. Yeah. Right? The drop step off the drop step and then toss off the backboard to himself. Just, just a great read. I love it when guys do that and create an opportunity. Um, Derek Jones Jr. on Gobert. I, you know, you would think with those two players involved that it would have been higher. The reason why was kind of circumstantial. Gobert wasn't quite in position. And so there wasn't as much, it was more Derek Jones kind of going over and around rather than going through. Still really, really nice dunk. I mean, just up there. Then my number two, I don't believe it was in the NBA's highlight phase. It was in the House of Highlights one that I watched before was Christian Wood on Moxie Klebo. It was just a filthy, filthy dunk. Um, right through contact exactly what a lot of the things that i really like and then my number one and it wasn't number one first but then when i rewatched it because it was in the nba's highlights it moved up was jackson hayes on shake diallo and hayes had a dunk on diallo in that was a uh, mention for me in the october november section had another one in this but for me what made what made stand out is hayes is an unbelievable leaper is that he took a lot of contact early in the jump and was still able to to get all the way to the rim which is just incredible 
My favorite one for that same reason was Brandon Clark on Jan Mahimi. Oh, took that off, was really nice. Took off from the dotted line, and Mahimi is actually outside the charge circle. And Clark, I mean, like that guy, he just bounces up so fast. And like he didn't even have to throw it in, like he took off and just covered the ground and went through his chest at the same time too so like mahimi was just like whoa this guy just is like he didn't even have time to jump it was ridiculous um so that was a big one yeah hayes on diallo was on my list uh, as well as was jones on gobert john morant on aaron baines especially because it was towards the end of the game and he blew by him first and then dunked on him as he's jumping at like a 45 degree angle away from the rim and is able to just reach out and poke it on him like that was awesome too uh also like bonus points for situation there mm-hmm. that one was really nasty uh porzingis oh yeah porzingis was nice the one on, the on, one on, on drummond, on drummond. Yeah. uh demontis sabonis on kylo quinn sabonis like it, maybe it's just a bonus against the sixers like he just pops one and he had that nice lefty lefty jam on on Quinn and then there were two great tip dunks this month for me Tim Hardway Jr. had one had one that I really liked but Lonzo Ball tip dunking on Jackson Hayes was just really interesting like I mean hey how how he got over Hayes to get that dunk I I still don't quite understand all right then thanks for listening everyone have a great weekend and we'll be back on Sunday night Hollinger and Duncan coming out then as well as dunked on talk to y'all then at Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.